Hey everyone, welcome back to The Wealth of Self and thank you for tuning in for episode number three. In the studio today, we're joined by Josh Tugjnim, who I'm honored to call a good friend and somebody I look up to in a lot of different ways. Our paths crossed by complete coincidence when we were paired up on a wedding film assignment. And since that time, I've become more and more intrigued by Josh's story. He grew up in Mongolia and as a young boy moved to Moscow, Russia, where he faced a variety of challenges. He and his family later moved to the United States where he completed his college education. But not only that, this guy's a black belt in jujitsu and he's an accomplished sommelier in some of the finest restaurants and establishments in Washington, D.C., including some Michelin stars. I'm very excited to share his origin story with you, who he is as a person, and hear about what Josh believes has truly made him wealthy. He has an abundance of lessons and many goals that he is still working toward. So thanks for tuning in on this episode of The Wealth of Self. Welcome back from the intro. Thanks for tuning in to watch The Wealth of Self. I'm here with a good friend, somebody who I've really enjoyed getting to know, and it was by total coincidence that we were paired up. This is Josh Tugsnim, and I've had the chance to work with Josh in a number of professional settings, but we're going to dive in on his origin story, some of the developmental tools he's used over the course of his life, both abroad and here, to grow into the awesome dude that he is today. So I'm excited for everybody to meet my guy, Josh. What's oh, up, man? man? Thank you for the introduction. Uh, it, it is just my honor to be here. It is Thank a privilege. Uh, I am so grateful and thankful to be here. Um, I share this moment with you. Yeah. And uh, I am happy that it has evolved into to this moment for us to be able to have a chat. And, you know, yeah. and I'm happy that you want to hear my story, you know, and yeah. um, that's incredible for me. And yeah. it is an honor and privilege. And I don't take that for granted. Well, I appreciate those kind words because I think you have always stood out to some someone who has had an incredibly unique story to me. And having had the opportunity to travel and do a little bit of sightseeing around the world, I've always really appreciated people who have also come from different places. And now they might find themselves in a place that's totally different than where they started. And I think that's kind of like the epitome of your story. I mean, when, when you first... And, and it wasn't until really recently when we started to discuss the deeper details of who you are. But it's just like fascinating, man, because so many folks, they don't have that opportunity to see the world through that lens. And you've been able to see the world through a lot of different lenses. And uh, I think that's really special. And not only that, but you've implemented some tools into your life that I think a lot of people could benefit from, um, specifically jujitsu which we'll get into more, but I, I feel like you've been able to strike a balance with who you are and who you want to become 
and a lot of people could benefit from that. Nice. So, yeah. I mean, that's incredible for me to hear that, at least from you. Yeah. Uh, sometimes when, you, when you're in the process or when it's yourself in the journey, mm-hmm. sometimes you don't really see it. Yeah. You know, hard. it's really hard to see that kind of a bigger picture. And mm-hmm. um, I, even just now, how you said it. Um, for me, it's like, man, giving me goosebumps, you know, it's like, <laughs> wow. It's like, I can't believe what I've been through. And it's like in the moment when you're going through such things or like those kind of journeys, life-changing events, yeah. sometimes you don't realize it. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I just feel so fortunate to be able to look back and at least just hopefully my journey, how I got here to this day. Uh, you know, where I grew up or how I'm able to see different parts of life in the world. I mean, I feel fortunate. Uh, I'm great, thankful for my parents for making that happen. Oh, yeah. Um, because I, one thing I do remember vividly for me is that when I first visited mm-hmm. uh, another country, yeah, uh, I remember thinking, I just thought my world was what I could see. Yeah. You know, and then uh, as far as my eye could see, that's how how big of a world, like in my mind, in my yeah. head, and to see that there was so much more mm-hmm. beyond my imagination, it was just mind boggling. Yeah, you and know, it's a lot of people's vision, and that's nothing against people at all. You know, we all have our lives, and I think we have, like we talked about before <laughs> the cast even started, mm-hmm. we have our families. Those people are in places so like our family almost becomes associated with a place in some instances and it's not until it happens to you and until you go outside of that comfort zone or go outside of your city or your state or your country where you're like oh damn you know there's a lot out here man and uh it just starts i think if you're open to it and you have an open mind it's there's Mm -hmm. a really deep appreciation for those differences and those similarities that can accompany that and so, and, and the other thing that's unique about, I think, your story is that in some instances, you kind of, you chose to push those, those comfort zones. But in other instances, that decision was kind of made for you. When you talk about moving from Mongolia mm-hmm. to Russia, or you talk about maybe coming over here to the United States, like those were decisions, I think, that from what I understand, it was sort of a family decision in a lot of ways. So you were a part of the decision, but... You know, you were kind of with a group of people who were making that decision collectively. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that is very true because those choices were essentially part of the fate. I mean, fate or destiny, whatever you may call it, or your path that you're walking. Those are meant to be happen, Mm -hmm. you know, and and to be able to adapt when those changes happen Mm -hmm. and not you know, not freak out, for example, or yeah. lose your cool and you start acting out, you know, and so many kids do that. And I see that a lot because they unhappy with certain things or uncertainty brings them that kind of an, uh, fear or, you know, like acting out, yeah. Yeah. whatever. It may, I mean, we all, even as adults, you see that happen oh, all yeah. the time, you know, yeah. um, and the world just become a crazy place for a couple of years. Um, but for me, what was always important even those changes were happening and I now look back and it's becoming even more clear is that there was always this balance that I was, I was seeking, mm-hmm. you know, there's something that I wanted to find that peace by seeking that kind of a balance to have, you know, 
good mindset, for example, yeah. and you have positive mindset um, and be a joy to other people around you because they're, they're the closest people to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think you see that more when you're facing more of those difficult situations or new situations or uncertain situations. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I think you really can see who you truly are when yeah. you're in those moments when you're right? pushed yeah. when you're pushed and you know and especially like losing someone or mm-hmm. you know a new job you get fired from a job or bad things happen to you and you, you just like can't catch a break yeah you yeah. know um and it happens and that is that is life yeah you know and but in your heart if you seek that peace and balance mm-hmm. um think it will bring you more joy and it will bring joy more to the people that are meaningful to you yeah and and i really sincerely and truly believe that yeah and i feel so fortunate that it has come um my travels and my growth um and the difficulties i face now i learned from them to be to become who i am or made me who i am i'm still becoming yeah yeah, i'm still growing still learning right (laughs) exactly Mm -hmm. i I think you hit the nail on the head though it's like all of those things have led you to where you are now and 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 only at a only in the present moment can you really start to look back and appreciate you know that journey as it developed and for the viewers now i i i want to (laughs) get into some of the meat of this because i think you've obviously gone through a lot you've gone through many experiences that have shaped who you are now but there are really fascinating details to all those pieces of your past and i want to dive into some of that with you and i want to go back to the origin talking about where you were born where you grew up because for a lot of listeners especially people who would be based here in the united states it'd be like i've never heard a story like that before so w- tell me about your origin. Where'd you? Yeah, where'd you so, yeah. man, I'm excited to share. Um, yeah. That is a great way to start off. I agree. Um, so I come, I was born in Mongolia. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people think it's Malaysia, uh, but it is Mongolia. Yeah, completely different climate. Mongolia, it is, you know, it's, it's almost landlocked, but it is, it is a very big country with a rich history. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of unique. It's one of those places where the natural elements of, of the world is still intact. Yeah. Where in the world now, everything, you see it on the news, you see it, man, you feel it outside when you, it's like, man, I can't believe how cold it is or yeah. there's a crazy blizzard. Or even air conditions, yeah. stuff like that. So to come from a country where we're so connected to the earth, mm-hmm. uh, connected to just our surroundings and environment and living off that, yeah. um, I think those are kind of the values that I had uh, when I was growing up was important to me, mm-hmm. um, having that kind of respect for the nature and just for people around you and, yeah. and that, you know, everything. Yeah. Um, so Mongolia is that part of who I am has always been with me. Yeah. Um, of course, there's parts of you that change because once you see certain things or once you experience certain things and now you have a newer perspective right. or yeah. newer understanding of um, life. Yeah. Um, yeah or relationships, whatever it may be, right? Um, So uh, for me, growing up in a country um, that had those values, um, I think it. it, I can see now that I can share that with my kids Mm -hmm. or share with my students, for example, or people who I'm training with even. Um, So... Do you have some family back there? Do you... I mean, I know you've talked about going back on a couple of occasions... Have you have you experienced 
changes in in the country. Obviously, you talk about it being a very natural environment, very connected to the earth. I mean, is that pretty much the same way now, or has other have other elements of like you know like capitalism and modernization have those crept in and changed that view of Mongolia for you? I would definitely say that Mongolia has changed, and yeah. just like anything in the world, it definitely has changed. Yeah, yeah. But but my perception of uh, of a young boy growing up in Mongolia yeah. is still uh, pretty pure. I think yeah. it, it has that like Wonderland. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you know, Peter Pan. You know, <laughs> but it, it is there. You know, I think it might be a fantasy, but you can't deny the fact that the world is changing. Oh no! And I'm sure the city's there. Um, since my last visit, which was in 2000. 15 perhaps yeah, it's been um, a while then it has been quite some time uh i was planning to go in 2020 2019 and it got delayed into right. 2020 mm -hmm. but the, you know that's just life yeah um but i i know that for a fact that a lot has changed over there it's perhaps not the world that i saw with boyish lens or boyish eyes yeah. with fantasy and eagerness and yeah. Yeah. you know like uh, imaginations um but there are a lot of parts of the country that are still fight back into reserving or preserving mm -hmm. the nature how it was yeah. like thousand years ago, two thousand awesome. years ago. So yeah. it's incredible to see that because the government does a lot of work there to mm -hmm. preserve that. That's good. Um, and for me, I know that that is important part of life mm -hmm. to connect to oh, or Mongolia is. Yeah. Yeah. You know, brings me right back to the roots, the origins of who I am and what I value and yeah. what's important yeah. um, on a truly fundamental level. Yes. Yeah. Right. Um, but to the, you know, to specify about more about myself or, yeah. or where I'm from. Yeah. Um, like near a major city. Yes. Yeah, so I yeah. was born in the capital of Mongolia, which is Ulaanbaatar. Um, I believe now there's probably like three to four million people that live there. Okay, so so it big. is good. Yeah, the cities yeah. are growing. Um, but what I do miss or what I do remember most is being out in the countryside and yeah. seeing the herds. Yeah. And, you know, it's incredible to see like, you know, people just riding, living their life, just man, no insurance, no taxes, nothing, you know? right? <laughs> Nomadic lifestyle, yeah. you yeah. know, like, um, you're really living off the nature itself and yeah. you're living day by day and really enjoying each moment, you know, however tough it may be. Yeah. Um, so for me, I have that in my heart and in the safe that, you yeah, know, it's always never going to touch that. Oh, I hope not. No way. Yeah. No way. Well, um, that, that movement, I mean, you talk about that and I think that's absolutely true. Even when I think about my childhood, I think about growing up and going down to my aunt's farm and, mm. you know, riding the four wheeler down there or, you know, catching crawdads in the creek. <laughs> it, obviously a very different experience <laughs> than being in Mongolia, right? Yeah. But there's some almost mystical element to that mm. time of my life. Like you said, looking through that, that period of time through boyish eyes, <laughs> right? It was like, it was an adventure. I was outside. I was in the woods. I was catching lizards. Yeah. I, was, I was doing everything I could to just be outside, be mm -hmm. outdoors. And there's, I mean, that's a part of me. It will be a part of me forever. And it kind of, it, it, in a way, it sort of informed my love of the outdoors mm -hmm. and just being in the outdoors. Um, and so you were in Mongolia up until what age? Because at a certain point, there was a shift 
out of Mongolia. And that's where I'd like to sort of go because you talked about when we were actually going up to produ uh, produce a video in Ohio, you gave me the whole rundown about a dad, your dad's, you know, shifting of job that sort of made that movement possible. So I'd like to talk about, you know, where in Mongolia, at what age were you starting to make that shift? So my family, we decided to, or my family, my parents mm -hmm. told us we were moving to uh, Moscow. You didn't really have a say in this, right? I, I really didn't have a say. And they said, you know, we're moving past. This is happening. Yeah, bring your clothes. Yeah. Right? You're like, okay. Back a bag. Where are we going? Yeah. Moscow. I'm like, okay, Moscow. How old I were you know. at that time? So I was 10 years old. Okay. Um, even then, I, now looking back, I, I still thinking, I was like, the world is just what I can see and what's in front of me. And, yeah. Uh, and that's, that's what it is. Sometimes boy's a boy, you know. But yeah. however... As soon as we moved to Russia, luckily to my dad's new job, uh, it was in the airline business. So we, he got stationed in Moscow. Yeah. So we moved in the summer of 1998. Okay, 98. And so I was about to turn 11. So I was 10, turning 11. Um, and You're in that fourth fourth grade, fifth grade range. Yes, exactly. So, I mean, you were kind of leaving some friends behind i'm sure at that i was point, i was i was actually i was leaving my first love behind oh uh, it was so sad <laughs> uh you know heartbroken uh i remember uh it was like because i sat next to her for three years in, oh, in, in class in class you know you're like sitting next to each other you sit in the same classrooms whatever yeah. oh, barely talk but you know yeah, there's you're so <laughs> shy about it you know <laughs> she moved her hair oh. <laughs> it's a sign it's a sign no um well luckily it, it wasn't all in my head it, it, luckily i found out that it was she did feel mutual okay. so it was it was a very um like i would say pure love at yeah, that moment right. you know yeah, one of the a, first a little kid you know? uh exactly so i mean i'm happy for that but i remember at that moment and you didn't have cell phone you didn't of have course, like ipads yeah. and facetime um you know i had to like find out the code how you can dial a number uh, so, wow. but, and also international calling costs yeah. a lot of oh, money. Not cheap. Oh, and, and then, then at least, and then I got caught by my parents when they were like looking at the bill because they print this fax of all the, on? who, what is this number? <laughs> oh my God. And I was like, oh. but my parents were very supportive in that nature too, because they knew the family of that little girl at that yeah. time. And then my dad, uh, working in the airport, luckily, we met up one day like on the border you yeah, know like uh that's cool uh, it was like a movie scene in a oh way i gosh. couldn't believe it i had like a little toy you know but you can cross this little <laughs> yellow line the imaginary almost imaginary yeah. border right? right or a wall yeah. and i remember that and just leaving behind that little boyish world right yeah. the fantasy of you have into completely new country mm -hmm. that was a quite a shock for me um i think that's where i kind of grew up a little bit faster in my mm -hmm. views and um and luckily i had parents who explain certain things but yeah uh, i think when you experience it it's, it's even more impactful yeah. And, oh yeah versus when your parents telling you this and that and yeah. this and you know, you're listening but you're not really listening mm -hmm. sometimes yeah. but when you experience it yourself and you see it um can you remember some of the feelings like those emotions that you were going through at that time because that's i mean that's a big shift it, it was it was it was a tremendous shift i i really do remember 
just being on an airplane for the first time. Yeah. Oh, you your know? first time on a plane. Oh, first time even on a plane. Oh, nice. And um, I mean, we were very fortunate. I think the only seats they had was business class, and we were probably terrible. Hey, that's not a bad <laughs> way to go on your first flight. Oh man. my god, the, the, the those stewardess probably hated us. You know, they're like, okay, there's more. What is this? Some more soda. <laughs> Never seen a soda in my life. <laughs> uh, but we, when we moved there, I think there were some really good positive experiences of adventure and yeah, whole um, new place. Exactly, opening your eyes to something. Wow, this is. Look at this major city. Yeah, Moscow is oh, a huge, huge city. Right? city. Um, and there's just a lot of history and Mo- Mongolia in that in that time. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that as developed yeah um and not that i'm I'm, I'm no expert when it comes to like economics or whatever they may be but it was there were a lot of people struggling there still you know and my i know a lot of my family's members they're still struggling it's life's not easy over there yeah um but at least to see in my own world to see how big the other parts of the world and other parts of the country yeah it's Man, it was eye-opening for yeah, well, sure. I can imagine. And uh, I'm just grateful that able to see that with the family, not just alone, and mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so. Yeah. So how close, when you moved, you say you moved to Moscow, were you pretty much like in Moscow in the city? Or were you sort of in a sub- suburb and, and you you were had access to the city through public transit? What, what did that look like? Okay, so. When we moved to Russia, yeah. uh, when we moved to Moscow spe- specifically, we actually were right in a downtown, oh, almost wow. like in the almost heart of it. Or oh, at that's least, cool. Well, and what's incredible about Moscow is that they they train, mm-hmm. you know, the subway or however you want to call it, uh, metro, right? Yeah. Um, they have a big capital loop, and yeah. then you have different lines going down. So most people use the public transportation. It's you go fast. Yeah, uh, and then the trains are going, and it's very deep too because they built during world wars, and then you know, like they, it was shelter essentially. Yeah, uh, and some of those stations are they have those kind of um, memorials, or they still have those designs and yeah. from those like historical times. In That'd a be sense, cool to see, mm-hmm. I know in Korea when I was there in South Korea, a lot of the public transit, like the metro lines and everything it's very developed underneath the city. Mm. So like, it's not just a metro, but it's like a whole shopping center and an entire food court. And what I learned over my, my time there was that that was sort of strategic because of a threat maybe from North Korea with mm. any kind of bombing. They could move a heavy percentage of the population underground and be able to withstand whatever the conflict may have been until it was clear. So... It's you know out of necessity, right? Yeah, out of I mean, out of survival instinct, yeah. and, and uh, man, that's incredible. Yeah, and to see, to go from seeing like herds just playing outside, you know, like yeah. having a you know first love, yeah, <laughs> to right. go into a place where it's like you know it's like on the explosion of capitalism, you yeah. know, it's like wow, yeah, because um, there was an interesting political shift happening at that time too uh, this is from our mm-hmm. previous conversation on the long drive but you had talked about how that and i don't know the specific date you may but there was sort of a shift when gorbachev was sort of exiting mm-hmm. and putin was starting to come in as a political power yeah do you remember that i time do remember all? that specifically and it's so uh, because his picture was everywhere yeah 
you know, and his picture was everywhere. And just like when you're campaigning anywhere else in the world. And I remember at that time, because the TV or just media was becoming more and more popular or more and more powerful. Yeah. Do you know the impact it can have when you see something on a screen and, you know, it's, it changes how you can view the world. You know, it can change your mind, change your perspective. Yeah. And I remember there when I first moved there, there was definitely a, sh- a shift in or just change right, in, the, right. in the city itself because that was the capital of the country. So of there was uh, a lot of different things that were happening, a lot of pe- things being built, mm. a lot of things like technology. Yeah, and the technology was starting to come. Yeah, I remember cell phones were starting to come a little not even a razor before razor like there was one with the little antenna oh yeah the matrix phones oh my god right before (laughs) 2000s (laughs) but for me to see that and then you know obviously we're able to go back to mongolia to visit and to see the country that is still not changing yeah not as rapidly as like moscow yeah i'm sure parts of russia wasn't being as developed either, right. but just the city itself. Well, there. the fact that you were right in the heat of it, you know, mm-hmm. in in Moscow, I'm sure they were rap- growing more rapidly than any other place mm. across the country. Absolutely. When you were so, when you moved, were, was there any point in time where you went back to Mongolia to see some family who was still there? You kind of went back and forth. I mean, with your dad working for yes. an airline, maybe that was kind of easy to do. I don't know exactly, and that's one thing. Luckily, to my dad's job, we were very fortunate that yeah. we were able to travel back and forth yeah um realistically if we if he didn't work i don't think we'd be able to afford to fly um and that i think gave us a chance to be able to see go back and forth and Mm -hmm. really share perspectives with people who are back home or the family members who are still in mongolia um or just living we're able to share our experience with them and yeah or if they were there we're able to connect with them and right and then that, that just opens up your world even more too yeah which is, you know quite fortunate and so yeah. lucky because that's kind of unique because you got to move to a new place but at the same time you got to see the comparison and contrast almost because of your ability mm. to go back so you were able to like take a snapshot of Russia and say like, okay, all these things are going on and then come back home in a way and be like, okay, here's what's happening here. And it's almost like you got to see both developing at different rates and take all that in. That's, that's sort of, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Cause a lot of times, you know, if, if somebody's making a permanent move, they're, they're not going back to the place they were before. And uh, they might come back 15 or 20 years exactly. later or something, and it's, like, totally different. Uh, but you kind of got to stagger and break that mm-hmm. up a little bit. And I think that to think back that, think back, to think back on those moments, mm-hmm. I think it's really important because that's when really my mindset or just uh, being able to see that kind of a difference in in just living and livelihoods and how places are right i think that was a really impactful growing moment oh yeah you know and oh yeah in a certain stage because you really had to now you're no longer a little boy yeah. you know and we had to be a little bit more safe there too because we didn't know a lot of people mm-hmm. and also the one thing i really did realize was that we were the only people who were not you know not russian yeah you know we were because we were in the center of the moscow and the school we even in Mm -hmm. there wasn't any foreigners or not as many foreigners yeah um it was mostly i mean 98 percent or 99 point 
three percent. It was like my sisters, my brothers, yeah. who were the only Mongolians or foreigners right. in that school. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that, you have to, you know, there were certain discussions my parents immediately had to have, mm-hmm. just so we're aware. Yeah, um, prepared. And even sometimes before they had those conversations or explained how really things were, mm-hmm. you experience it. Yeah, before they had a chance. Before to. they haven't had the chance. Yeah. And it happens so quick because, you know, obviously um, people who are not aware mm-hmm. or not aware, people who are just not accustomed to seeing foreigners, obviously some, seeing something different mm-hmm. or, you know, or when somebody is different, yeah, people get shocked. People yeah. have, you know, certain mm-hmm. things in, in them yeah. that can't help themselves. Well, I think that's, you know, an interesting segue point because we talk about, and and this was a focal point of our story planning process. And for anybody watching, just in case (laughs) we didn't mention it, we're going to try and do like a short, uh, not a short film, but, you know, maybe something seven to eight minutes about this story. (laughs) Uh, Because as we go through this, I think people will start to recognize how cool it is. And it's, it's stood out more and more to me the more I hear it. But one of the elements of this is that being in a new place, looking different than a lot of the people who you were around, classmates and just people on the street or whatever, there is an element of maybe a little bit of discrimination, a little bit of racism, things of that nature that were challenges. When you go through that experience and you recognize that you're on maybe the losing end or the short end of the stick in certain scenarios, that sticks with you. And I think it also informs your behavior and your impressions in a lot of ways. And that's, that's the segue point I want to make with you now is talking about some of those challenges as you were in that critical time of your life. Because you moved there when you were 10 or 11, and you were there for five years, right? Mm-hmm. Four. Four? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, 11 to, you know, 10 to 15, to 10 to 14 or 11 to 15, like, those mm-hmm. are really important years as far as development for a young person. So, tell me a little bit about that and those challenges you've gotten into it a little bit but i want to go i want to go further i mean there are a lot of challenges yeah you know and i i will admit and i will say this first is you know everybody has their challenges Mm -hmm. you know everyone has their everybody's situation is unique um and i personally didn't think mine was special you know it's just um or anything that was important Mm -hmm. but it isn't important factor in life to understand that we're not all the same mm-hmm. there are different people there there are people come from different cultures um and the biggest understanding that i got from that those years me being there mm-hmm. um well specifically we're talking about the just kind of the negative yeah. stuff right obviously there are a lot of positives too but mm-hmm. just to kind of more specifically i talk about some of those negative experiences let's just say mm-hmm. or experiences where you feel uh that you shouldn't you, you'd like you're less than somebody yeah you know you're, you're worthless or because you look somewhat different yeah. uh, you you beneath them i mean a discrimination 101 <laughs> right it's like textbook so um and obviously i, I have nothing against anyone i i don't hate yeah um this people because of this or you know i have i hold a grudge against them this and because of them right. i i personally don't i i i will admit 
because of how I have grown up and because of how my life has been, I do feel fortunate that um, I do feel fortunate that I am strong-minded to not give away who I am yeah, and be taken down with those, you know, negative comments yeah, yeah. or this, you're, you're this. Right. And right. not giving up to those kind of bullying, you know, and yeah. well, I mean, putting you down. Is bullying. <laughs> but I, one of the things you mentioned in our previous conversations was even though those things were, were definitely negative, and definitely hurtful at times. You made a really profound statement, and it was that you had such a good family structure growing up that you understood your worth and you understood your value. And regardless of what these people were saying, you recognized that that's not true. I know what I am and who I am because I've had good supportive people around me in the form of family members who have always been there to support me. And that was something that you mentioned where I was like, you know, that's, that's absolutely the foundation of who you are. Like, despite all that negativity, you had something to fall back on, something to sort of tell you that I, I'm not going to pay attention to that. And it, I guess in, in some ways it makes you think about people who have really had, you know, a rough upbringing where they didn't have supportive family or they didn't have people to guide them. And then they experience some of that stuff on top of it. That would oh. suck, man. Like, you would be in a position where you really would be in a in a state where you're like, yeah, I am I am worthless. No one's ever told me anything different. Mm -hmm. But I think you were lucky in that way, despite the negativity of those events, because you had people who truly loved you and truly supported you in the form of mothers and fathers and 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 brothers. Do you have a sister? Yeah, I have two sisters. Two, right, yes. Yeah, you're se seven in your family, right? <laughs> seven. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was my mom too. She yeah. had seven. So. I am really thankful and yeah. I'm so grateful for that to have a family and to support you and you know obviously there's times where you argue with them and stuff and you know you have your days where you go a little <laughs> yeah right but that's every sibling and you know and um but for, to kind of continue on what we we're discussing where yeah. where you somebody is kind of you know you feel those kind of discriminatory kind of experiences when people shouting you hey go back or whatever yeah you do this you're that um I knew that I, I didn't want to believe those words. Right. And uh, in, in a lot of people I know, they, they would take that to heart. Mm -hmm. And that would ruin their day. Yeah. That would ruin their week, ruin their month, ruin mm -hmm. their life. Now they're not happy. And um, now everyone around them is not happy because of what they've gone through or right. whatever they interact with. Um, and to have a positive outcome or positive mindset from those kind of negative impacts mm -hmm. and those are some serious impacts especially yeah. at that age we're talking yeah. about you know yeah. growth where you're like oh man uh, like who am i you're you identifying know? who you are yeah right? exactly it's like oh i'm a man or you know like who am i like oh i'm i'm mongolian or i'm you know i'm russian or whoever it, it yeah. doesn't matter who you are i think you are at that stage you're like kind of figuring it out you're figuring it out you know and to 
have other people say, oh, you're nothing and you're worthless and, and you know, you, you're beneath us. Yeah. And then that can get to you, yeah. especially if you have a hard life at home and you don't have a brother or sister or mom and dad tell you, say, you know, we love you regardless of who you like what they say, mm-hmm. because what they yeah. say is not true, because yeah. our love is true right. for you and you are good. Yeah. You know? Well, I wanted to also ask about language similarity. I think there there was a pretty good overlap there for you to step into Russia and have essentially all the working mechanics of Cyrillic and Russian that you needed mm-hmm. to integrate from a language perspective pretty easily, right? Yes. So that is true. I mean, ling- language-wise, I-, I didn't speak Russian at all. It is a little bit, it is quite different. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. as far as like words, vocabulary, mm-hmm. I think some of the sentence structure is a little bit different as well, yeah. too. How did you deal with that? So, man, did they just throw you into the wolves? <laughs> Sink or swim. Better, <laughs> yeah, figure it out. Figure it out. And then they, I was literally in the classroom and I, I didn't even spoke Russian. I Half the time, I like my first like six months of school i really had no idea what people were saying yeah you know and i was trying to obviously you were figuring out because you, you got to figure out you know you sink or swim but i was very fortunate like i met a couple of friends really quick and yeah. they were just kind of helpful yeah uh, and they were nice but there was parts of the school where people just you know i'll be walking in the hallway you get a little you know a little sign here and there you know or a little shout out Right. Luckily, the first six months, I didn't know what they were saying, but, yeah. you know, but you, <laughs> but you feel it, you know, they you say know. you can tell somebody's like, yeah, it, right? and saying something, yeah. uh, you know, you feel it. Yeah. Um, even if you don't understand what they're saying. Yeah. Um, and I had a lot of those experiences and mm-hmm. and I didn't come home crying, you know, and because luckily to, for my family, for my brothers, you know, we're like, oh, yeah. they don't know what they're talking about. Because they were in the same school as you during that time. So you were kind of, ha- I guess you like had each other. In yeah, some we way. had like a little gang almost, you yeah. know, who get in the little. The Mongolian <laughs> kids. <laughs> you know, like the, no questions asked. You jump right in, you know, yeah, you're ready right. to go. Yeah. Um, but uh, overall, to be honest, in, in Russia, I, we did feel a lot of that kind of discriminatory um, behavior from mm-hmm. people who are you know just random random yeah. acts of kind of hate yeah. uh it does happen uh, and there's no doubt about that mm-hmm. I, I i you see it and there are a couple of times my brothers and i will run away well when we walking home from school we had to go a certain way because you see a couple of those skinheads walking you know yeah. and um if people don't know you know skinheads in, in moscow at the time were kind of a growing thing mm-hmm. because it, it, yet again, to a point where kids are identifying who they are, right, and they just happen to be in that fall circle, that group, yeah. fall to that group, and and that's what was meaningful for them, or that's what they understand of who they are. Mm-hmm. So they come after certain groups of people that they hate, yeah. you know, to make yeah. them feel, to make them feel who they are in a yeah. way, or feel belong, like yeah. you're part of something, right. You know, and then the day that's what kind of what it is too. You yeah. want to belong to somewhere. You do, yeah. Um, well, you had a really, I think, probably a tough time while you were in Moscow. But there was one instance that we discussed that was right around the time of the World Cup, and it was um, from what you told me. It was after the Japanese team had defeated, I believe, the mm-hmm. Russian national team, and there was. Um, there was some violence that ensued after that, targeted mm-hmm. toward 
you know, Asian people essentially who were there in Red Square, it even sounded like. And, you know, based on what you told me, it was sort of like a catalyst for you and especially your mom to be like, this is not good. We got to figure this out. I will never forget that moment. Yeah. I will never forget that moment because it was scary. Mm -hmm. It was really scary. I think that was for me, not to say climax, but that was a moment for me. I was like, wow. It was like 2002, right? 2002 World Cup. So it was a 2002 World Cup. Um, when obviously when we moved to first to Russia in 1998, mm -hmm. that, that that was my first World Cup that I ever saw. Yeah, it was Brazil versus France. Zidane scored. Man, he he almost I think he got a hat trick or something. He Where beat the Brazilians. It oh was crazy. Gosh. And that was the first time I remember my brothers and siblings and sitting there watching on a little Sony TV, <laughs> like oh going crazy, you know. Right. And I was like, this is a World Cup. Yeah. And uh, back to like how. We, whoa the world is huge it's even bigger than this yeah and being in that kind of a shock like a, a kind of a not say glamorous experience but like a really discovery kind of experience yeah you know it's like incredible right and then to go to school the next day and you're running away from skinheads yeah right like so you don't get beat up because you're asian yeah um but in that next world cup so in 2002 mm -hmm. um obviously like we we're talking about the russia was developing or at least in moscow things were developing fast mm -hmm. so they built up these big screens for public viewing mm -hmm. for world cup mm -hmm. i think the first couple first game i think russia won so it was like super awesome yeah. and i remember we were kind of near that uh and it was like oh it's kind of a good environment right, right. exciting um, exciting you yeah. know you're like yeah um and then i think they lost to tunisia and then that didn't cause too much of a, I think, a riot or anything like that. I'm sure that would have been a little bit more minor. And then the game against Japan, Russia lost. Mm. Um, I don't exactly remember the exact score, but there was two goals there. Mm -hmm. And that day, my mom specifically saying like, they didn't want us to go towards the Red Square right. or the Kremlin because yeah. they had multiple TV set up and it's like a public viewing. Yeah. Um, and thank God for that. You yeah. know, and what are the odds of that? She probably had that kind of feeling. Like she didn't even know. Yeah. yeah, it's like, don't go. And then, and that was a moment where I really saw how hatred can take over people because of differences. Mm -hmm. You know, to see just because of a soccer game. Yeah, they, sporting event. Sporting right? event. That they Everybody lost. There was a huge riot. They're showing on the news the police running away from them. Oh, my because gosh. Because they were, they were not prepared for this kind of a riot or that kind of an... You know, people on cars, cars are burning. And I remember on the news saying how they attacked a lot of these Asian tourists. Mm. I mean, not even Japanese, yeah. right? They're just <laughs> I mean, there on tour. They're taking, it's visiting. like taking a picture, you know, and oh just like, God. man, amazing. And then I remember there were a couple of people that were killed. And I was just like, man, that could have been me. Yeah. And I think that was the moment where I was like, you know, wow. Yeah, it's a little, that's, a, that's, that's freaky. Mm -hmm. especially considering that you were you know in the city mm. and exactly i mean you you could have been there <laughs> i could have been there exactly in the middle of it right yeah. and then next thing you know and i'm very lucky for to be i don't know life just works in mysterious it ways does, you know yeah. it's but very fortunate to have that uh moment now mm -hmm. obviously not fortunate because it, it was a quite an crazy event in life or any event in history mm -hmm. to see that but to learn from that to see and start to see the world in another new lens mm -hmm. right and 
that was that's a moment I'll never forget. And I'm happy that we're here in the United States because that was the moment that my mom said, you know what? We're moving. Yeah, we're getting out of here. We're, that's it. Because they were talking about staying in Russia for another couple of years because of the contract with my for my dad's job or mm-hmm. going back to Mongolia. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was it. So tell me about that shift from Russia to the United States. Because... It sounds like you had the opportunity to visit the United States prior to making that move permanently. And along with that, there was sort of like a college visit where you got to see sort of like what the post high school lifestyle of an American, American student looked like. What, what was that okay, for you, the, 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 that timeline? That was actually a great moment. I, I'm so happy you asked me that question because that was a moment. So in the summer of 2001, before okay. obviously this riot and crazy mm-hmm. things happening, right, or ha- have been in 2000, the summer of 2001, our, my family, we came here for a vacation because my aunt was living here in yeah. Maryland, Frederick, uh, Frederick, Maryland. Yeah, um, not far away. Not not too far away from yeah. here, but it was like a nice little farmland, a little mm-hmm. more quiet, right, from a yeah. bustling city town. It's been developed a yeah. lot over that time. Um, so to come here and to visit, I had a really good, nice little summer vacation mm-hmm. in the United States and to be able to kind of see the culture difference here too you know to go from mongolia to russia to united states yeah and see those kind of differences yeah. i was like wow and this is another level yeah right like yeah. just like you get like a new level up kind of thing yeah, but new badge, new badge. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no but you know like as far as like your view your perspective and uh how you thinking about other people mm-hmm. and you know it's that was an eye-opening another eye-opening moment for me mm-hmm. so um and also to there was a moment where we helped my cousin towards the end of our summer trip mm-hmm. we helped our cousin to move into our dorm oh nice that's a yeah. cool experience oh that was a very cool because were you like 14 at that time or 14, something yeah college girls running around <laughs> uh, no, no 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 but like, i don't think yeah. that was <laughs> You know, people biking, yeah. you know, people getting ready for the school. You're like, man, it's like the movie. Right. You know, and then the Maryland camp is in the middle. It, it's open. You know, the, that's the a long, big school. It is. It's, yeah. It was huge. And my cousin, she was a sophomore and she was like, oh, look at those freshmen. And I was like, I had no idea what she was talking about at the yeah. time, you know? So look at those freshmen moving into those dorms. <laughs> uh, and for me, I remember I was standing there and looking at this campus, you know, people, I was like, man, if I could go to a school, go to college, this mm-hmm. is where I would like to go. Yeah, it was like a dream, you know, like right. it's such such a distant dream. Because when we were at that moment, there was no idea in my mind or any sort of thing, uh, inclination yeah. of me living in the United States at the time. Because right. my world was over there in Russia, and then we'll probably go back to Mongolia. Yeah, and uh, to see that and dreaming like that was. I, I, I tell that story like to my brothers and sisters all the time. Now we kind of rekindle about yeah. our experiences because yeah. they, I'm sure they had their own experiences, their own too, right? Of it. Did all of you go over? Like all the whole family came almost. over for that trip? Almost, almost. Okay. Uh, almost everyone was there. That was a nice trip because yeah. now to think about it, that was like one trip where we everyone was together. That's cool. Like really together, you yeah. know. And uh, wow. 
Yeah, it's hard wow. to pull that off sometimes. Yeah. Especially as you get older, it becomes even more difficult. <laughs> oh, it's because so difficult. You add a family, you add mm -hmm. children like you have now, and that's like, you know, you gotta be able to make sure that they can come with you mm -hmm. or you find childcare or whatever that looks like. Mm -hmm. So um so that I, I it seems like really solidified the idea that if that was possible, that would be like a dream scenario. Exactly. And it the was. dream scenario came true. Thankfully, it allows us to sit here today and have this conversation. So what would that what did that look like that shift out of Russia? There's obviously, you know, another life shift. So you'd come from Mongolia to, to Moscow, big change. And now you're preparing for that next phase. Mm -hmm. A lot of the same emotions or was there more excitement attached to it? What do you think? I think this this time there was more excitement because I knew what was going on. Okay. I knew that we were moving this time. I think yeah. when we were moving to Russia, I think I was I had no idea where we were going still. Right. Yeah. Do you know? Uh because I knew where we were going, mm -hmm. I think there was definitely more excitement of the possibilities. Mm -hmm. You know, and um and I remember there were some schools like famous Russian universities. Mm -hmm. You drive by. Um I wasn't that attracted to it mm -hmm. and they're very good schools they're prestigious schools i got yeah. nothing against those schools i'm just from my perspective from right. a teenager boy i remember thinking university of maryland i was like wow this is incredible this is where i want to go to school yeah um you know not necessarily just live there but at least just go to school right. and 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 that dream did come true and i'm actually really happy to say that was one of my dreams coming true yeah um because i did graduate from university of maryland in mm -hmm. 2011 um got a bachelor's which was i was like man i can't believe <laughs> yeah and i was standing where i was standing when i first visited oh that's and cool. i was like something in my heart was like or something in my body was just like wow you like manifested it. <laughs> yeah i got i was like wow this is incredible how did i get here yeah. so thankful so grateful wow yeah so before that you go you you were basically you went to high school here in the united states for the most part I guess you were probably like, was it freshman or did you start as a sophomore? I started as a sophomore. Okay. They wanted to be, they wanted me to be uh, a freshman. Mm -hmm. I think they might have even wanted me to be in like eighth grade. Oh wow! Yeah, because they're like, like you who know, is this old ass yeah. man? <laughs> no, because I was I was turning fifteen. Yeah. So if I was turning fifteen, like I think you had to be like a freshman. Yeah, they have cutoffs for the yeah years, exactly like birthday and all that. so. And remember, but I took a test. I did good on math and maybe not on English because I didn't speak yeah. English at all. Yeah, either. what were your English abilities like uh, at that time? Man, non-existent. Hello? Yeah. How are oh you? Oh, gosh. Yeah, that would be tough. Yeah. So as far as, like, language-wise, as far as language-wise, I was a little bit... Um, I mean, I didn't speak any English. Right. So oh we were in the ESOL program. I think that that's also signifies a little bit that cultural difference mm -hmm. is when we started school here. Mm -hmm. When I started high school here as a sophomore, I was already enrolled in an ESOL program, English as a second language yeah. program. Right. Uh, I feel like a lot of people may not even know that. But yeah. th luckily, the schools, the high schools and some of the schools in the United States, fortunately, have those programs to mm -hmm. help people, um, people who don't speak another yeah. who don't speak english uh, come to united states right that's a benefit of being in this area too i think because at least where i grew up in salem missouri mm. there's like <laughs> very little support for most foreign exchange students mm. it was already a really small school but the one thing i've identified living here on the east coast especially around washington dc is it's very eclectic like mm. there's a good mix of cultural representation here 
And uh, I think that was one of the things I wanted to ask you about, too, is because you talked about how in Moscow, at least, it was like you were basically the outlier. There weren't really <laughs> other foreigners there. But you talked about coming to the United States and there was some representation of other ethnicities, representation of other cultures. And that was sort of, from the way you described it, a little bit of like an, a little bit relief. of comfort or yeah. relief. Right? Oh, relief. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I remember how, when, okay, so when we moved from Moscow to the United States, mm -hmm. so we moved to Virginia, mm -hmm. uh, Falls Church, okay. uh, yep. which wasn't too far. Yeah. Uh, we had like a little apartment there, mm -hmm. like sharing a room with my brothers and sisters. Um, small apartment, but, but in Falls Church, it's still pretty close to the D.C. area, so it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty uh, close, diverse. Yeah. Um, and as far as like, remember, I think there was a lot of Asian, uh, community where that, we yeah, were. Yeah, that area tends to have a higher um, Asian population. Exactly. So. And it was like, oh man, I had, like, you know, people weren't looking at me walking down the street, put it this way. Right. Well, people weren't looking at me when we were on the metro or yelling at me. Mm -hmm. Right. I'll never forget. I got yelled by this old lady in, in the metro <laughs> in Russia. I tried to give this lady a seat. Yeah. And she was saying some racial slurs. <laughs> like, what the heck, man? <laughs> I'm trying to help I was you like, out. I, I was like, okay. You know, being nice, manners, right? You're like, hey, come sit down. And she's like, blah, blah, blah. Right, right. I don't know if I can even something, curse on this thing. Something, <laughs> something you're not allowed to say online. Yeah. 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 Oh, my God. <laughs> So I, I was like, wow. And to come to United States where it, it was a little bit more welcoming, even in school, right? They, they even get you a guide. They ask one of the volunteer students to show you around school. Yeah, you're like the buddy system. Yeah, you you're like, hey, here's the out. locker. And then you yeah. see them at lunch like, hey, you know, and I was like, wow. So welcoming, choose classes. VIP treatment. Yeah. And then you see kids driving. Yeah. Uh, you're like, wow, I, I thought we weren't allowed to drive till 18. Right. Um, I think that should still be a rule here, but uh, <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, but I, I wanted to drive because, you know, I was yeah. like, I was always eager to learn. A little freedom. Um, but luckily I learned on stick shift first. So, oh, dang. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, but neither here or there, right? Yeah. But yeah. But in the United States, or at least where, but the part of the United States where we, my family moved, mm -hmm. obviously... Every part of the country is a little bit different. Every yeah. state is a little bit different, yeah, right? Sure. Um, and I th that's the beauty of this country, too. And it's it's that kind of diversity, I think, unites people. Um, oh, yeah. You know, and it obviously... Divides and unites. It's an interesting it's dynamic. You can't have both, yeah. yeah. And ideally, I think the goal to my goal is to have people united. Yes. You know, and or have that kind of peace or have that compassion yeah. or have that understanding of another, yeah. how different they are mm -hmm. and what they might feel. Um but I see that more in the United States and certain parts of maybe the country or whatever mm -hmm. it may be. But for me as a whole, as the United States now, it has those elements. Mm -hmm. um, may not be better than other countries or maybe worse than some other countries, but in the, the day it's there. Yeah. And yeah. I do believe it. And I, that's one, another cherished yeah. box that I have in my right. heart. Yeah. So no one can touch that. No. Well, as we, as we navigate toward the person you are today and the, the, the things that stand out most to me as I've had the chance to interact with you is you're a black belt in jujitsu. 
first and foremost. Still can't believe it. It's Still can't believe. amazing, and I'm honored. I have to say again, thank you for letting me be a part of that ceremony as you received that black belt and film and photograph <laughs> some of that because that was really cool. I'd never seen something like that before. Um, and I think looking at that from the outside in, I didn't also appreciate the effort and the amount of time that it took you to build yourself up to that point. Because if you're walking in for the first time and seeing that, you're like, oh, good job. <laughs> but it was years of sacrifice and, and work and commitment on your end in order to get to that point. And the other, the other element of your life, from a, from a kind of like uh, defining or work perspective, from what I know of you, is uh, your sommelier. Sommelier? Sommelier. Yeah, you got it. Sommelier. Sommelier. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're, you know, you're basically like a badass with wines. <laughs> like you know everything about everything when it comes to what a great wine is. And you even have like a lot of mixology and other elements of that expertise when it comes to drink making, which is awesome. <laughs> But it, it's handy at parties. For oh, sure. yeah. It's a killer party <laughs> trick. But those are two things I think about you that I want to work toward a little bit because they represent, they're not endpoints. I don't want to say they're endpoints, but they represent sort of the result of going through certain things in life. As we discussed, and this is also part of our storyline for our video, <laughs> but, you know, talking about being a black belt, there's an element of balance and peace and calm, but also self-defense that is associated with that art form. And then you look at the side of the sommelier, there's a whole like social element, a communication element that goes into that. And I, I want to talk now about that evolution from you're in the United States, you're beginning to now socially flourish, and maybe you're reflecting a little bit on certain things that were not as positive in Russia and looking at you know, how do I get myself to a point of preparedness or, or be able to better defend myself and my loved ones? Where did you start to introduce those things into your life? Well, I think it was always somewhat there, especially when I start to feel in, in Russia, for example, when I start to see this kind of a hatred against mm. others and discrimination, you see certain, not even just like Asians specifically, but everyone, you yeah. know, because you're yellow, purple, green, whatever, neon, right. they, they, they have something against you or they have something to say against you. Yeah. Uh, and when we, when I saw that kind of riot happen in 2002 in Moscow mm -hmm. and the police were running away mm. and they were hurting people who looked like me, mm. that was, I think that was an impact that I was like, man, we got I got to know how to protect myself. Yeah. Cause the, the, these other people may not do it for me. Exactly. And because you see cops running away, you, the people who are supposed to protect you, make you feel safe, but we, we're so not safe. You're so not safe. No. You know, and, you know, because somebody can, like, you see those videos now, too, even when the people get punched randomly on the street. Oh, yeah. Those things. It's ridiculous. Oh, my, but it, it happens. Yeah. It happens. And it, it, it was happening. I'm sure it still happens now at some point, And we don't see it as much. But I remember thinking that moment where I was like, man, I got to learn. And in Russia, too, I also saw Sambo, which mm -hmm. kind of exposed me to kind of the martial art aspect or combat sport aspect. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't quite necessarily train in, in Moscow, mm -hmm. uh, but wrestling has been a big part of my life because oh, yeah. Mongolians are, that's part of national yeah. sport. 
So oh, wrestling I didn't know is, that. yes, uh, archery, horseback riding. Yeah, those are those iconic. are three exactly iconic sports. And there's actually a festival in Mongolia that happens every summer. Yeah, it's called Nadam, where you essentially it's like a, a tournament, right? Oh, like okay. they've been having these tournaments for centuries now. Right, horseback riding. You see little kids on the horse with no saddle, nothing. Just going, yeah, and they're going fast, like too. the it's ancient Olympics. It's yeah, exactly. Mongolian, like yeah, Olympics, yeah. and they actually have nomadic games now. I believe uh, nomadic cool. world games. Hashtag they, nomadic games. Yeah, yeah, maybe they'll come, <laughs> and um, I would love to see that. You know, and that's part of the, another world that sometimes, if you're in the United States, you you, you don't see that. Yeah, you're clueless. You have yeah. no idea. Uh, like, come on, ESPN. Let's, <laughs> let's get some coverage. Yeah, listen. Uh, world's most unique sport. Yeah. Or eccentric sport. Right. <laughs> what you even call it. No, but I think it's unique because that history and heritage mm-hmm. uh, of who you are or who you are as a nation mm-hmm. um, or who your roots are, it's there. And I think yeah. that helped me to be who I am today and That's who cool. I've developed to be. Yeah. And to see that growing up, too. Uh, and... When I was in in the United States, and luckily I was, you know, given an opportunity to train or learn jujitsu. Mm-hmm. I was actually looking for boxing because that's one thing people yeah. automatically assume that's how you should yeah. learn how to fight. That's how you fight, right? You punch. A punch, yeah. And you see, and, and don't take me wrong. If you're a good boxer and you know how to punch, you can knock somebody out. Yeah. I have. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. You know, I see Muhammad Ali. He's an amazing fighter. You see all these, some of the new guys that are in the boxing. Man, I lay some guys. Oh down. man, I don't want to get punched. So, no way. Yeah, <laughs> but I think your your evolution into the jujitsu training is so much more practical in so many ways, <laughs> and in in a lot of ways, I think also the training behind jujitsu as you described it to me, it's not really about incapacitating someone necessarily. It's about, it's about neutralizing a situation. It is. Like if things are getting out of control, this is a way to subdue and neutralize the aggressor. It is. So you you described it really well. Uh, And what's also important too, is that if you're the person on, it works the other way too, where, Let's say you somebody is attacking you and they're mm-hmm. putting you in a bad position. Mm-hmm. You, if you're trained jujitsu, for example, yeah, you or for me personally, here's what I experienced. I experienced that when there's that kind of pressure, right? There's this uncomfortable situation. It, it back to kind of originally what we kind of said. It, it kind of shows you who you really are. Oh yeah, you know, in those kind of situations, you yeah. really it like show what you're made out of. Yeah. And I think that's why jujitsu for me was became uh, so important aspect of who I am mm-hmm. today mm-hmm. Um, because of that. Because yeah. you you are put through uh, a, a struggle, a difficulty, mm-hmm. obstacle, and see if you can overcome out of it. Yeah, and it's more of this like almost this naturalistic element of fighting. You know, yeah. somebody even just holding you down and. If you just give up and lay down and somebody's sitting on you, what are you going to do? (laughs) Yeah. But you have to, you know, and when you show a technique, it's like, you know, you can escape from here. This is what you need to do. And you learn that. And when it works. Oh, dude, I, I mean, I, I feel like a fish out of water (laughs) when I am around you doing jujitsu and I want to do more of it because that Mm -hmm. first session we had. Yeah, that was good. You know, when you're first getting into it, it's just so mechanical. It's like, okay, now I need to execute step B Mm -hmm. and step C, but 
getting to appreciate where you are in your jujitsu journey, it's like water, man. It's just like you're flowing because even before a move happens, you're identifying, I know what mm -hmm. I need to do in order to get myself into a defensive position, an offensive position, whatever you need in order to make sure that that next move is planned and strategic and it's going to be advantageous for you during the, during the combat. And, uh, you just, the way you move is like, <laughs> thank you. Thank I don't you, bend thank like you. that. I'm still learning. I don't and that's like the that. truth. Yeah. It's that with jujitsu, you're always learning. Yeah. You're really always learning. And you learn from a white belt, you learn from a, a blue belt, you learn from everyone. I think that, that kind of mindset is, is shown on the mat mm -hmm. or you experience it on the mat. Mm -hmm. And if you have a good culture at an academy yeah. where they kind of foster that kind of environment of improvement yeah. and, you know, and empowerment. Right. I think that's, you know, and then you have the learning component on top. Mm -hmm. It's so powerful. Yeah. It works. Well, where'd you first get involved with it? Because that sounds like there was an interest while you were in Russia, but you didn't really start exploring it until you got over here. So what were some of your first experiences getting into like a dojo or, or, or you now have two incredible mentors who are super talented. I think that came later down the line, but yeah, well, the jujitsu came into my life at a moment. I think when I needed it the most, mm. because that's when I kind of felt lost. I was happy. So I was I was in college. Must have been like freshman in college. Okay. Um, and then I had a scholarship for a first year and then I lost it. Oh shoot. It was yeah. bad, right? And and I remember I was like, Oh man, what I'm gonna do, how am I gonna pay? I'm gonna work. Mm -hmm. And I was like, but also I need to learn how to protect myself too, you know, because uh, some people got robbed at my job. Oh, yeah. They're like walking out. You know, oh, so I was a motivation. server at the time. Yeah. And they come out. Mm -hmm. uh, and then some people were just waiting for them. And that was like a quick little reminder. It was like, hey, let's go. My friend was like, let's go learn how to box. Mm -hmm. You know, and then his his sister's boyfriend was like assistant coach or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, but when I went to try to try out the boxing, the only class that was available was a jujitsu class. Ah. And uh, that was an incredible moment because just so happens. It just so <laughs> happens. Yeah. And he's he the guy who was teaching the class. He was also the owner of the academy. Nice. Um, his name is Professor Jeff Gordon. Yep. And he not the NASCAR driver. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he's, he's not the NASCAR driver, but like the NASCAR driver, yes. Jeff Gordon. Yeah. Yes, he does drive fast. Oh man, <laughs> he does drive fast. I've seen him, but he he is my jujitsu instructor. He's been my mentor from the beginning as a yeah. white belt, mm -hmm. uh, and he had his own academy that had like mixed martial arts. There was wrestling, and there was a lot of different other uh, martial arts there or disciplines there. Mm -hmm. But it was like a gym. Yeah, uh, you know, it was like a gym. People come and train, uh, and then I would say, really, my jujitsu training mm -hmm. like got ramped up when I was a blue belt. Yeah. Uh, before that, I think it was more like, oh yeah, I'm learning something. It was like a, you know, I come once, twice a week, mm -hmm. or there was times where I come a little bit more, and then towards when I was trying to get a blue belt, I was training a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but once I got my blue belt. Or maybe a little bit after I got my blue belt, yeah. um, we had a head instructor, Tony Passos, come. Yeah, and he's uh, Brazilian, right? He's Brazilian. He's from Recife. Um, he's, I mean, he's an incredible guy. He's incredibly smart, and he is an expert in jujitsu. Yeah, um, but he's most importantly an amazing human being off the mat. Yeah, he seemed uh, like a great teacher. 
just based on the conversation that he gave the entire audience at the end of that ceremony, you oh. could tell he really cared yes. about these people's improvement, not just in jujitsu, but as you know, people yeah. in life. And I'm, so. and I want to thank you for coming and film that, you know, and yeah, man, because at that fun. moment, I don't think we've worked as long together with each other but no, i knew yeah. i knew i was like man this guy's cool i was like i can hang with this guy and uh it was meant to be and I, I'm, I'm thankful for that because what are the odds of that us linking our paths crossing to yeah. to 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 be here now a random wedding out in the, <laughs> the middle of nowhere thank you tolman oh Media. my god wait isn't it uh they've, re they've rebranded oh okay yeah, yeah i think <laughs> Tolman has some trouble now, but oh, okay. Yeah. Oh man, but I, I'm grateful regardless how yeah. those things and they we came to be here and mm -hmm. uh, in my jujitsu journey. You know, I don't think I said I was like a jujitsu black belt to you. I, oh, I, don't, I don't say that to people like that yeah. all the time. Hey, by the <laughs> way, <laughs> walking around with my belt yeah, yeah. <laughs> wrapped all around your waist at all times. <laughs> Bandana. Oh my god, that'd be terrible. That's um, got to be some sign of disrespect. Oh, yeah, that'd be well with jujitsu. You know, I think now with uh, mixed martial arts and mm -hmm. UFC, I think there's a little bit of this. Uh, I gotta get attention, so they get a little bit of loud, yeah. loud and roary. But macho, exactly. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, I mean, if they're making money and they're making yeah. them happy, that, that is what it is. And yeah. uh, for me, I think jujitsu bring different kind of happiness. You know, yeah. different kind of wealth. And for that, I'm so thankful because it. it it is part of who I am today, mm -hmm. and I am so thankful to Professor Jeff Gordon, Professor Tony Passos, mm -hmm. and I've been training with them primarily m most of my jiu-jitsu career, yeah. or all of my jiu-jitsu career, uh, and to go to each different ranks, mm -hmm. um, and you know, I'm honored and I'm privileged yeah. and I'm grateful that I had that opportunity to learn, because as a jiu-jitsu instructor, it's a long time for somebody, someone to get to that level oh yeah you know i could imagine them seeing me as a blue man they're like man this guy doesn't know anything you know <laughs> they're like, they, yeah it's they're like a lot of growth well, no. i think one of the things about jujitsu too is that for someone like myself you know i i come from a very conventional sports background love basketball you know grew up playing basketball tennis american football soccer as a younger kid these things represent sport to me the, when I when I think about sports, I think about those those things. Baseball, mm -hmm. another one. I played a lot of baseball growing up. Jiu-jitsu is absolutely a sport, <laughs> and if you think that it's not a workout, you're gonna be uh, you're gonna be reminded very quickly that it will kick your ass if you're rolling on the mat and and you're with somebody experienced and you're trying to actually go at it. If somebody's out there who's like, man, I think you know I'd like to try jujitsu. What advice would you give them? Like, how could you get started in a way that would allow you to kind of stick with it. What are some points that you'd give other people? One, if somebody is starting out on their jujitsu journey or if they're interested, one of the biggest advice I give them is uh, at least give it a three classes. Mm, okay. Don't, not just one class. Give yeah. it a, at least three class yeah. trial, you know? Right. Let's say trial, but <laughs> well, essentially kind of what it is. Yeah. At least go try it three times because the first class, you get to acclimate to what's going on. You get yeah. an idea. Uh, and if you're scared, if you have anxiety problems, you know, sometimes you don't really retain any of that information. Yeah, 
out the yeah. area. And it is a bit of an overload, you know, you don't realize. And uh, and you can get sometimes a little bit close to, you know, because it is kind of a grappling sport, which is like, yeah. you know, you're grabbing each other, you're getting, you're wrestling, you know, right. and a lot of people don't like wrestling either. Yeah. You know, it is. It can feel awkward to be that close exactly. to someone who you don't know very well. Exactly. Right? You're like, what? Yeah, what is going on? Especially now too, right? After yeah. all this has happened. Yeah. Uh, and there were, to think that, and to explain that to somebody, you're like, "Hey, I'm gonna be hugging the, hugging your head yeah. really tight, and you're gonna try to I'm get out." Yeah, Listen, make sure to tap, tap. What do you mean, tap? <laughs> <laughs> and they're tapping themselves. They're like tapping yourself doesn't work. Um, but the second advice I'll give is, uh, well, first, at least try three classes. Yeah, that's great. Um, and finish all those three classes, mm-hmm. and after that, you can make your decision whether you want to continue. Uh, but the second advice I can give to somebody is that if you are if you are a person who wants to learn to better themselves, mm-hmm. jiu-jitsu is the sport for you. Mm-hmm. Jiu-jitsu is the hobby for you. Mm-hmm. Jiu-jitsu is your outlet for you. Mm-hmm. That I believe that. Yeah. It's and, brought a lot of balance into your life. I oh, know. absolutely. And and it will the third, it will bring you I think balance in your life, which is exactly where I was going to go. The third uh, advice I'm giving to people or to students or people who do it, I say it brings you balance mm-hmm. because when you train on the mat, you're mm-hmm. focused on yourself. You focus for even 30 minutes or 45 minutes or an hour, mm-hmm. you are learning a new skill that could be life changing for you. Life saving. Life saving, right? Life saving. Yeah. So, and that can that kind of a thinking or being able to micro focus kind of bring balance to a lot of people when there is like Instagram and people uh, calling you, texting you, emails, all the distractions, yeah. right? And jujitsu is even more helpful now because of all the technology that has developed. You know, mm-hmm. for me to come from a country where there was barely any TV yeah, right. to move to a country where it was like kind of developing and then move to a country where it was like, boom, high speed train of technology, you know, and Constant. for me to adapt that. And I think I retain part of who I am or what I've my where I come from in my heart still and then that keeps me balanced mm-hmm. but when I was lost in the United States and like when I was in college like beginning college mm-hmm. you know you're going through some difficulties and I was kind of lost mm-hmm. and starting jujitsu brought me that balance and yeah. I always think about that moment too because that is something I always sought after mm-hmm. you know because of who I am and because of how I, and it made more it was made more clear as I trained jujitsu more yeah. Because that was something I desired more. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even know it at that yeah, time. Yeah, I kind of got addicted to it a little bit. Exactly. And it yeah. is very addictive, you know, and it, it, because you want to train better, you want to learn a new technique, yeah. and then you start to eat better, and then you people around you are training better, so you want to get better. Yep. So you're surrounded by a community yeah. of people who want to help you, and you, you're empowered, and you have a, a, this bridge that can bring you closer to who you want to become. Mm-hmm. Go through this transformation, yeah. you know, and have that kind of support. Yeah, And that's one thing I did see in jiu-jitsu also that was meaningful for me and then resonated with me is that that balance was brought or however difficulty obstacles you had to overcome, mm-hmm. it was brought by the support. It was brought by the support of the people around you. 
just like when I was facing difficulties when I when I was in Russia, for example, and you know I had my family to support and say this is who you really are. Mm-hmm. And with the jujitsu, I think that's how I feel. Is because on the mat when you're training and you're learning jujitsu, training, you're breaking a sweat and you you know fighting your yeah. fighting for your life. You're focused on that yeah, moment. Focus right on that there. moment and. You know, you overcome those obstacles, wherever it may be, small, big. Mm-hmm. You able to see who you really are. Oh yeah, and it can. I think that can really bring you that kind of balance um, that people don't see. It is invisible, and it is hard. Mm-hmm. It is something that's not out there. Yeah, you know. And sometimes, even though we may know it, we might not see it yeah. or think it. And sometimes right. we need to be reminded that. Yeah. And I think a lot of those life lessons, you learn it on the mat, which is incredible. Yeah. And, uh, and take it from this guy for anyone <laughs> watching that this, this, if you apply yourself, I think this is, this is true. And you've, you've lived this and you've experienced this and you've seen the benefits and the outcomes. Um, and even though I think, you know, it's challenging, there's no doubt that it's a really, you know, difficult path to go through that. I mean, people, you're a very physically fit guy. You're very flexible. I think, you know, people who are maybe not in that same boat would have a couple more challenges, but to stick with it and to sort of kind of like persevere through those things, those benefits will come Mm. in time. And, um, I know you've got big goals for jujitsu in your life. Still things that you want to develop, uh, as far as being a teacher, opening, you know, uh, your own facility, being able to operate in that capacity, which you're already kind of on that journey. And I want to circle back to that. What I want to go back to is actually your love of the other side of your life, which is being a sommelier, you know, <laughs> and, and sort of figuring out how you got involved with that. Because I think that's something that has allowed you to work in some of the poshest restaurants in dc like masseria beautiful place and it i don't is it michelin over there it is a michelin style restaurant yeah that is correct so you're you know basically a floor captain right for this michelin star restaurant but it took time to get to that place where you could walk in and apply to a place like that and they would you know bring you in so where where did that journey start for you so that journey started when i started bartending on mm-hmm. uh, so i was Kind of when I was serving and then I moved into the bartending uh, at like a Mexican restaurant learning how to make margaritas. There was a moment where I was feeling kind of lost and I I left that job because I wanted to find something new. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that place was in D.C. and it was like mixology was coming into like it was like the wave, you know, and I caught I I was riding that wave and I was like right place, right time. Know the right person. Drinks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I, I started there. So I started at that place as an apprentice, and I moved on to be a principal mixologist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a that's lot a hell of, of a title. Yeah, I know. They had to, all the with people with titles, jobs with titles, right? A principal. I think they was like bar chef or something like that, I, or mixologist. Like yeah. And a lot of people didn't know that was that kind of term because that was the beginning of an explosion in the hospitality industry as far yeah. as like drinks cocktails mm-hmm. yeah i mean the wine industry has always been there i think mm-hmm. somaliers have been there oh, yeah. um, but i think this is the, that period of time uh, it was time for like the cocktail time right spirits time people yeah. doing some cool stuff and then making infusions yeah i think now infusions technically is like an old thing but at the time when i was there young still creative yeah style. it's really cool um so i was very fortunate to be there and there also i had to apply the similar kind of 
skills or the similar kind of training mm-hmm. I was doing in jiu-jitsu where I had to kind of drill a little bit more, give a little bit that micro focus to learn about the ingredient, for example, yeah. or the measurements of the drinks. Because yeah. at that time, people just free pour, right. um, you know, and I, we were like using jiggers and tools that are mm-hmm. pretty popular now if you see it in the industry mm-hmm. or if you see a, like a craft cocktail bar. Yeah. Um, you can see the ice and, you know, but that yeah. evolution kind of, uh was happening mm-hmm. as i was there which is incredible mm-hmm. um and and at a time it came at a time when i've also felt lost yeah so i found that passion uh at the, almost at the same time when i started jujitsu as well yeah and you talked about it kind of being like a little bit more on the social side like jujitsu was very much it's social no doubt because you're inter- interacting with so many other people but i think it's definitely probably more on somebody's physical side of development when it comes to um, when it comes to what that's really instilling in you. And then like on our car ride, we talked about how with, you know, being a small air, learning that side of things, it put you into environments where, you know, you're at a bar or you're at a restaurant, mm-hmm. highly, highly social environment. And what, what did that look like for you? Do you feel like it improved those social abilities or did you feel like you had to like push outside of your comfort zone a little bit to operate fluidly in those environments? So when I was in 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 the restaurant environment yeah. or that kind of hospitality environment, I actually felt very natural there. Yeah, okay. I I think it came. Obviously, there was moments you have to learn the food, the drinks, right? Steps of service, maybe. Yeah. Uh, but one thing I did feel, I think, uh, and felt more natural is because of who I am. Also, too, yeah. is that there's this communal aspect, right? You want to show people yes, exactly. uh, hospitality and really take care of them, show them a really good time. Mm-hmm. I think that kind of also came, just naturally came out of me because mm-hmm. that is who I am and that's how yeah. it is in Mongolia also too right. you know you're taking care of people around you your family yeah communal yeah and uh, I think when I was at work in a restaurant uh, especially when you are get closer to your co-workers your other bartenders servers even busters in the dishwashers mm-hmm. even wherever whoever the guy even Clyde cleans the window I was yeah. always friendly with them yeah I was even more friendly with the guy on the grill because he'll give me a nice little there. slice of carne asada, you know? End of the night, you get a little oh, yeah. take home. Um, but I think that aspect, I really did feel that communal, um, and it was something resonated with me or who I am. Mm-hmm. And I may, I may not have realized it right there and then, but I knew it was something I wanted to do yeah. in, in my heart. So, And I'm thankful for that because that has evolved from there, from that moment to where I'm now, I'm very lucky to be working at a Michelin star restaurant yeah. as a sommelier, have a wine program that's incredible. Yeah. Uh, we'll be able to taste some of those incredible wines. and Some rare stuff. Too, oh, some right? rare stuff. And I think, and you're always learning too. You're learning yeah. about the history, geography, uh, you know, different regions, different yeah. producers and their stories. Yeah. The size of that book on your table. <laughs> I was like, because I, when I visited you, I was looking through that. I was fascinated by that. I was oh, like um, going into soil texture and you know mm-hmm. acidity and, and 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 nitrogen content like it was it was a chemistry lesson it is it is it is um, but i think it all played a role in you know mm-hmm. how that product turns out and, and it's not just masseria i mean you've gotten to, to work in some other really incredible <laughs> restaurants around the city yes that, i mean that i'm very lucky because uh you know obviously it comes from the work of paying attention yeah. to uh, what's going on around you right. uh, and giving a little bit of time to learn. Mm-hmm. I think that's what's important, having that mindset of learning. Yeah, it takes time. Uh, it takes time. 
and uh, I was fortunate to work at Del Mar on the wharf. Yeah, uh, that's a beautiful spot. Oh, beautiful place. And then that's the that's one thing I really do enjoy is that most of the wineries that you reading about or you tasting or you, you talk to friends about, you see it in the store. Yeah. It's most times it's in a beautiful place. Yeah, for real. Yeah, unless it's in a factory and they're pumping them out. But yeah. most of the wines that I, I'm I'm looking into, it, it is always in a beautiful place. And mm. that, that really brings me joy, I think. Yeah. Uh, you know, it brings you a little bit of that happiness. And it's exploration. You go back to talking about, you know, moving from Mongolia mm. to Russia to the United States. You're in a new place. You're exploring. you got a new wine. You're exploring. You're exactly. learning. It's always this next step of exploration. <laughs> and I think it keeps you fresh and it keeps you curious in a lot of ways, too. So I, I, I think when we first met, you had talked about, you know, wanting to expand on that skill set by going abroad and doing a workshop or, or a workshop or something of that nature in like Italy. Did you did you do that or that's not yet? Not okay, yet. You uh, unfortunately, yes, it was okay. in my plans. So I did want it to go to Italy. And that was actually in my plans because I was studying a lot of Italian wine. Yeah, uh, I wanted to take a trip and uh, really discover Italy, you know, and I was fortunate to be able to travel in Europe when I was living in Moscow, just mm-hmm. fly a couple of places. Yeah. We didn't obviously travel lavishly, no right. five star hotels or anything. Maybe like perks of having a dad no. who works for the, Yeah, exactly. Know, it was, we were able to, you know, fly for free and yeah. stay with friends and family. That's and so cool. Exactly. And uh, one place we didn't really get a chance to go to was Italy. Mm-hmm. And surprisingly enough, I ended up at a place where I really loved being a sommelier was an Italian place. Yeah. Because I loved the wine. It was a new place that I didn't really get to discover while I was over there. Right. With so much history. So much history. And yeah. so much good food, too. Especially in the culinary Oh, my zone. God. Like, so rich. Wealth of... Italy is oh right at the top, pretty much. Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, so, I was planning a trip, obviously, and and that was in 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Right when the pandemic was really pandemic, related. yeah. So I took the test in February, mm-hmm. and then March fifteenth <laughs> was everything shut down. I couldn't yeah. believe it. I was like, "Wow!" That's when I moved to DC. <laughs> wow! I like, couldn't imagine. Literally March fifteenth, parked the car. Was like, uh, "What's going on?" All right, here we go. This how, be fun. Did, how did they notify you that you can't go anywhere? Oh, what did, how did you hear? Well, for me, I was actually driving, so I had you know News pretty on? much everything I had that I was going to move up here with. In the car and on a little hitch on the back. And uh, yeah, I was just listening to BBC. 2 a.m., driving through the mountains in West Virginia, you know, getting ready to park it at the apartment or the basement complex mm-hmm. where I first moved in in the city. And they were just reading it over the, uh, you know, the radio. It was like, well, tomorrow America will institute the essential work order, you know, or whatever it was. It was oh, like, yeah, I can't remember what they It did. was the lockdown, basically. So they were they were just saying, like, we're going to start putting a lockdown into effect. Only really essential work individuals are going to be continuing to work. Uh, and that was just my intro to DC in 2020. Wow. Just like, this is not good. <laughs> uh, and I, I, Hey, I ended up cleaning swimming pools for seven months. Wow. It was disgusting work. It paid the bills and I'm appreciative <laughs> that it did that, oh, man. but it sucked. Yeah. I can't believe it. That's that's crazy. So it robbed me of that year, but it robbed you of an opportunity. <laughs> Hopefully something that you're able to to do still. And now things yeah. are mostly being back open. I think if you want to pursue that, if you, yes. if you can. Oh, that's on my list. It's back on my list yeah. for sure. Yeah. It's making it to the top, but we'll see. Yeah. Uh, I do want to go back to uh, Europe 
as well. Uh, I did get a chance to go back to London. That's uh, cool. For my friends and we went to a lot of different cocktail bars. So it was nice yeah. to kind of touch up on that side of, I think being a sommelier for me is being able to understand all aspects of uh, beverage related mm-hmm. service, for example, knowledge mm-hmm. um, and being an expert. And yeah. I'm not saying I'm an expert now, no, but, but you're, you're highly knowledgeable. Like when, when thank we've you, gone out that. and eaten with you, <laughs> it's like, it's a lesson. It's an educational mm-hmm. lesson about what is in this drink and how it's all working together to mm-hmm. make the taste that you're tasting. Yeah. And it makes you appreciate things more yeah, because you understand it, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, you're like, oh, that's how long it took to make this little ice yeah. cube, you know? And appreciate those little things. And uh, and I'm glad to, I can share that with people, but I don't share it to people who don't want to listen. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I, I, that's one thing I, I definitely do learn about, learn from jujitsu and learn from um, training mm-hmm. is that you have to be efficient, you know, yeah. because your time is so valuable. Right. And life is not worth to be spending it on people who don't deserve your time. Yeah. Or they don't bring you joy or happiness or they, they don't help you in a yeah. way that, that they should help you. Yeah. You have to be selective there. You yes. really do. Mm-hmm. And I'm yeah. proud to call you a friend <laughs> in D.C. I have very few friends in D.C., but mm-hmm. you're one of them. And it's, you know, it's because of who you are and, and what you've taught me. Yes, and likewise. the appreciation that has come out of that. But I think uh, where you're at now, you have a beautiful family, an amazing wife, and you are still growing. You're still learning. And I think that you have some goals for jujitsu. And, you know, your abilities as a sommelier that you still want to expand upon. And I I wanted to kind of wrap things up by hearing those goals and sharing some of the lessons that you feel like you've been able to learn from all of this to sitting here today. Great. Well, first of all, I mean, like I said, it is an honor and privilege to, Thank you. <laughs> uh, to be here, yeah, at least share man. this moment and having this discussion. And they want to do it for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad it finally happened. Yes. And, and, and things happen when it's meant to happen, they you do. know? Yep. Uh, and I don't take these moments for granted because mm-hmm. just like in life, things happen fast. Yes. And uh, things can change quick. Um, oh, yeah. And from my experiences, just growing up, from moving to a country, another country, and mm-hmm. um, and to be here, I, I am blessed. And to have a family now and a small young family, yes, we're growing still. And myself as a as a black belt, I'm a, technically a very young black belt. Yeah, uh, that's growing in a new way. Mm-hmm. Um, and even as a sommelier, I think I'm more of a uh, mid career, mid. I'm not even say like mid career sommelier. Yeah. Uh, well, even learning. I think with wine and jujitsu, both. That's one thing I see is that there's so much to learn. Oh yeah. Like I, I never say I'm the master of this and yeah. I'm the absolute master of this and that. You do ten thousand hours <laughs> or more. Yeah, and I'm yeah. still doing more, and then there's yeah. still so much more to learn, and that's what keeps you humble, mm-hmm. you know, and gives you that humility. Yep. Um, and I think that's important for you, for any individual. Uh to understand or have yeah. that little bit of the humbleness. Yeah, yeah regardless inside. of your field, right? There's regardless always somebody out field. there. There's always somebody out there. Yeah. Uh, and having that kind of a mindset will help you grow mm-hmm. even more. Yeah, I and and I see that a lot in jujitsu. And luckily mm-hmm. the years I, I've been training as a student mm-hmm. and the years I've been lucky to be able to kind of coach people on the mat who are just starting yeah. out. Yeah. Um, because I started 
teaching jujitsu or coaching kind of or teaching classes when I was a blue belt. Yeah. And and then it was really thanks to Professor Jeff Gordon at Infinite Fighting Concepts in Maryland, mm-hmm. where I had that kind of opportunity to be able to, that he believed in me, said, you know, you're good enough to be able to teach these people who know less. Yeah, <laughs> right. You know, maybe a tiny bit, but they, they don't know they anything. Don't know anything yeah. yeah. So, but I, obviously I trained them more and, and, and obviously they they know and they, they saw something in me and they believed in me and they helped me and encouraged me, empowered me. And I was able to learn mm-hmm. and improve and improve myself mm-hmm. most importantly. Yep. Uh, and that has helped me to be, who, to be who I am today right. even more. Mm-hmm. And I see that more now because now I'm a parent, yeah. not even just a coach, you know, I have the someone, ultimate teacher, the old, <laughs> ultimate <laughs> teacher and having to be a, a balance of, you know, being a strict dad or fun dad and this and that. Now you're learning a complete different new field, yeah. a new lens again. It's your new career. New career. Fatherhood. Just, exactly. <laughs> it's like, a, that's a lifestyle right there. Yeah. No, but I, I am, I enjoy being a father now and I really, that's, I feel blessed and that, that brings me more joy than anything. And, um, but your life doesn't stop just to stop there. It's not a, it's not a movie, right? It's like, it doesn't end there. It keeps going. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to understand in in jujitsu or in learning about wine. Mm -hmm. I never stop learning. Yeah, you should, you shouldn't. I think if you stop learning, you're going backwards. (laughs) They're going back. Because everything else is moving forward. Mm -hmm. And it's your responsibility if you want to be on the edge of it. To keep up with keep it. Keep up with it. You have to. And keep that drive, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, how do you keep up that drive? And then I think just training jiu-jitsu and having that kind of passion for a healthier living mm-hmm. because now your reasons or your purpose is even more clear. So yep. that can motivate you so much more. And I see that as a father, too, that I have something more that I want to offer to them and be able to pass on the knowledge or pass on what I know mm-hmm. so they can live a little bit safer life, Yeah, you know, live a slightly better life. And I, I want to give them, you know, a little bit of the knowledge that I have. You know, yeah. I don't have a lot of riches, but I do have a, you know, a wealth of knowledge, Yeah, you know, that I'm still learning, that yeah. I'm able to at least share with them that will help them. Right. Uh, and have that kind of a balance to come from training jujitsu or finding that balance it took a long time too. It was a journey. It's a process. It just didn't happen overnight. No. Uh, and you've I'm been still, doing it what? 10, 11, oh, 12 13 years? 13 years. 13 years. Yeah. So I started in 2008. Yeah. December of 2008. Uh, you guys can do the math. <laughs> uh, but it has been a long time. And, and I never chased the belt. That's one thing I would never say. It was like, uh, oh, I wanted that belt. Oh, I wanted that belt. Yeah. You were just you doing know? it because you loved it. Because I loved it. Because it brought me more joy. Yeah. And, you know, it gave me more discipline or helped me in the times when I was going through difficulty mm-hmm. that able to focus on myself, to better myself. And then as soon right. as you're more happier or more joyful, people around you want to be around you more, mm-hmm. you know, because you bring them more joy too. Right. And bring more happiness to them. And, yeah. and I think that's important to have that nowadays because there's a lot of hate in the world. There's You can't deny that. And yeah. One of the reasons I remember thinking I want to open a jujitsu academy, mm-hmm. and it's like it was like a dream. I was like, you know, it's such a distant dream, and you know, like I wasn't even a black belt, and I was like, black belt was nowhere in sight. But I remember thinking, seeing some of this hate towards Asian people more specifically, yeah. 
in, in the United States, mm-hmm. right? In the United States where, you know, part of me maybe had this little fantasy how, you know, everything, everybody be happy together in the United States. And yeah. it's well, not, no. you know, every place no. has their flaws. And, and I saw that here and I saw that kind of happening and, you know, essentially technically more the most diverse part of the country mm-hmm. uh, or one of the more diverse part of the country, you see hate. Yeah. You see, you know, hate towards particular group. You see mm-hmm. discrimination and you see these violent attacks yeah. towards people too, well, elderly people. Yes. Oh my God, that, that one is, that's breaks terrible. my heart. That one, like, yeah. man, that's one of the reasons I'm like, man, I want to open an academy. That would be a dream to come true. And then for me, that seemed so far away, mm-hmm. but now it's starting to become a reality. A and it's more. like, yeah. It's exciting, it, man. And uh, I'm excited, you know, hopefully a year from now and or however long, uh, hopefully it will be where I want it to be. Yeah. And I can find a new goal, mm-hmm. you know, and build on, on be able to build yeah. on that. Exactly. Yeah. Just like the moment I told you where how I feel right now is that moment when I was standing with the diploma at University of Maryland campus yeah. right after graduation. You know, right. I was like, wow, what a journey for me to come here because that was when I was standing there, that was 2001. Mm-hmm. When I graduated, it was 2011. Mm-hmm. Because it took me a year or two years, longer. Yeah. But, man, that was 10 years for me from that moment, me standing on that campus to graduating. Yeah. And then now to to think when I got a blue belt to where I am today, mm-hmm. I'm like, wow. I'm, yeah. Uh, like, I'm signing a lease to have six more months of maybe opening a dojo yeah. and the dream coming a reality, yeah. you know, That's super. I'm just pumped. For you, man. <laughs> I mean, regardless of what happens, yeah. you know, you never know what the outcome is going to be, but yeah. you can't be afraid. I and mean, there are steps chase- forward and steps back, but exactly. you're, I think the trend is upward. I yeah. actually hope so. I, yeah. And, uh, I hope my journey end of the day will inspire others. Yeah. Hopefully aspire them hopefully bring them hope that they're not alone or hope that you can change your life. Yeah. You can chase those dreams and not be afraid. And I really do hope that even if it's just one person, I think I'll be really, really happy. Yeah. Like truly happy. And yeah. Well, life. you've, you've done so much already and you, you're going to do so much more. I know that. (laughs) But as a final question, Mm -hmm. this is the wealth of self and it's about identifying, you know, what, what is it that makes people wealthy? And I think it's very obvious that, you know, a a financial security and financial riches and things of that nature. Nice. Sure. (laughs) But is it the thing that you think about whenever you're in your last moments of life? Usually not. Mm-hmm. You know, we're thinking about our friends and our family and the moments and travel experiences that we that really lit our soul on fire. So if you're talking to somebody out there who needs to understand a little bit more about how to motivate themselves or what that next step is in life, what has made you truly wealthy, Josh? What has made me truly wealthy is my family and friends. Yeah. Uh, and the wealth of community around me mm-hmm. because that is the bridge that can bring you happiness and joy. Mm. And that is a wealth that uh, no money can get you. Yeah. And there's no doubt that if, regardless how much money you have, you're not going to be wealthy in that aspect yeah. because that thing doesn't have a price. Right. And 
just like in you see that a lot in jujitsu is that wealth of knowledge, mm. right? And that wealth of knowledge can bring you that happiness that no money can buy. Yeah. And I don't know anybody who got a jujitsu belt that was like, oh, take this. Yeah, it wasn't smiling, right? No, that wasn't smiling. Yeah, I've, I've yet to see that. I have yet to see that. Yeah. Um, it is every single time when somebody's getting a belt, whether it's a stripe or a different color belt. And for me, that moment was uh, getting a black belt. And I remember thinking, wow, what a journey. What, mm-hmm. like, everything poured in. And there's just, yeah, it's it's an unbelievable feeling. And and I want to share that with people. And I think that's really what the future holds for me is that me able to share that with others and pass on into the next generation yeah. more importantly. And I see that more clearly now with the new lens because I'm a father, mm-hmm. you know, and because I'm a parent and, yeah. and to see that I'm a son too and I'm a brother and, yeah. you know, and now I'm an uncle and, you know, and you like want to share more. All the things. All the things, right? <laughs> and I think more of the imp- important titles yeah. in life. I think that that is the wealth that you have to recognize and mm-hmm. seek after more. Right versus the you know the wealth of financial needs and yeah. whatever it may be. I, I'm not saying that's not important, but at the end of the day, what's really important and and you want to be surrounded by the wealth that that is important to you. Which yeah. for me, it is family, it is that community, and mm-hmm. it is having those important people around. Yeah, and yeah, and. I am thankful and I'm grateful and yeah. I am so honored to be able to at least kind of discuss and share those yeah, thoughts man. in my heart because it is something I have, you know, developed over mm. the time and and I'm happy to be able to share that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. people people need to hear it. I think people out there who are going, you know, going up against obstacles that feel too tall to handle, you're a great example of somebody who's gone through a lot and you're doing great. And I, I feel like, it's just, you know, you're not nearly finished with your growth. It's it's going to keep on. It's going to keep yeah, on going. Still growing, yeah, still growing. Still learning. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. But thanks for taking some time <laughs> to be on the podcast with me, The Wealth of Self. We've got a great uh, video project that we're, we're going to knock out here. I'm working on a director's treatment for it, and it, it's going to happen. We, right. we just got to connect a couple <laughs> dots. And um, for any listeners out there, I'll be excited to share that with them once once that's done too but super excited i've had this vision for (laughs) that story and i feel like if we could do it the right way and really and really hit home on a few points it could be really impactful yeah wealth of knowledge thanks man yeah wealth of self thank you thanks for tuning in to the wealth of self podcast the audio only version of these stories can be found on nearly every major podcast streaming platform from spotify to apple podcasts and many many more Your support as we grow this movement is immensely appreciated. You can help us out by leaving a rating, writing a short review, or even sharing it with a friend or a loved one who you feel would benefit from hearing these stories. Finally, if you're interested in seeing the video interview that accompanies these stories, head over to our YouTube channel or our Facebook page for the full viewing experience. While you're there, don't forget to leave a like, subscribe, or follow the channel and share your thoughts in the comment section. For additional information on how to support the wealth of self, head over to www.wealthofself.com. Thank you so much for your viewership. We'll see you on the next one.